Welcome to New Season Ministry with Evangelist Jeremy Cook. We hope today's message will challenge, encourage, and uplift you in your walk with the Lord. Enjoy the message. Tonight we are continuing our series in the book of Acts. And so all of that that we talked about just uh, beforehand... Uh, I find it fitting that we are still in the book of Acts because as we progress in this journey, we're going to read about how, how, uh, how people were stoned and how people were martyred and how people were killed, um, how people gave up everything to follow, to follow the Lord. And I was thinking, we're getting ready, we're getting ready to enter into a new year uh, how many are thankful that 2020 is almost behind us? Uh, we're getting ready to enter into uh, to 2021. And I got to thinking as I was preparing this, I truly believe in everything that we've been going through and everything that the world has been facing and everything that the world has been going through, that people are searching for something. People are in need of answers. And they're looking everywhere. They're looking everywhere for answers. They're looking everywhere for, for, for some sort of peace. Some sort of comfort. Some sort of understanding that will help them through this, uh, through this chaotic time. And I was reminded in the book of Revelation chapter 1 where the Bible says that that John saw Jesus in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks or in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. And we know that, that those candlesticks, that they represent the church. And I always said, where do you always find Jesus? You find Him in the midst of the church. I know that a lot of people have written off the church and we've seen this preacher fail and we've seen, we've seen this church do this and we've seen this church do that. But the truth of the matter is, in these last days, whatever God decides to do, He will always do it through His church. There is no there is no lone rangers there is no lone prophets in God's kingdom whatever God decides to do God is going to do it through the church and it is important that you and I as believers you and I as children of God understand the importance of the church I know I know a lot of people are I know a lot of churches are closing down their doors and I'm try and I and I'm trying not to sound I'm I'm trying not to be judgmental on all that. I believe that pastors have to do what they have to do and what they feel is best. But I want to tell you, the world is searching for something. The world is looking for something. The world needs answers. And I want to tell you, the only people that got the answers is the church of the living God. And I truly believe it is now is not the time to shut the doors. Now is not the time to, to scale back. Now is not the time. Now is not the time. To, to, to cease operations. It is high time right now that the church put the foot on the accelerator and we gather together, the Bible says, forsaking not the assembling of ourselves together as the matter of some is, but we ought to gather together so much the more as you see the day approaching. I want to tell you, you'll find the answer 
in the church. Amen? Amen. And so that brings me, that brings me to this. I was looking in Acts chapter, I was looking in Acts chapter 1. And I want to talk to you about the characteristics of a great church. What makes a church great? What makes a church great? I hear all sorts of answers. I hear people talk about, well, I go to this church because they have a good choir. I go to this church because, man, you ought to hear, you ought to hear that, you ought to hear that preacher preach. I, I, I go to that church because they have a they have a great children, they have a great children's program. I go this church is awesome because they have great fellowship and they, they feed the homeless and they do all these different sorts of, of outreach. But what does the Bible say really makes a church great? Is it the fact that is it the fact that they have great singing? Is it the fact that the preacher is dynamic and charismatic? Is it the fact that they have they that they have great uh, they have great programs and they have great fellowships and and they can and they have the money to do all sorts of things? What really makes a church great? When I look at the book when I look at the book of Acts, I see a great church. I see, I see a powerful church. I see a church that didn't have seminary. I see a church that didn't have programs. I see, I see a church that didn't have the steeple. I see a church that didn't have a building. They had to go from house to house. But what I see when I read the book of Acts is I see a church that was powerful. I see a church that that did many great signs and wonders. I see a church that the Bible says in Acts chapter 17 that in one generation's time they turned the world upside down. I see a church that they could walk to they could walk up to a man at the gate called beautiful and and say, you know what? I may not have the financial resources to help you in your current present condition. I may not have silver and gold, but whatever I do have, I'm going to give to you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And the Bible says that God added to the church daily such as should be saved. What makes a great church when i look at acts chapter when i look at acts chapter 1 i see the characteristics of a great church and i believe that god is calling the church i believe that god is calling harvest time. I believe that God is calling the 21st century church to not be focused on programs, not be focused necessarily on methods, not to be focused on uh, on financial resources. Because I want to tell you, let me stop right here and let me tell you, if it's God's plan, if it's God's will, if it's God's way, He's always going to foot the bill. I believe it. So what makes a great church 
When I looked in the book of Acts chapter 1 and verse number 12, here was the first thing that I found that makes a great church. In verse number 12, the Bible says that after Jesus ascended into heaven, the Bible says that then they returned. Jesus told them, go back to the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So what is the first characteristic that makes a great church? The first characteristic that made the church in Acts such a great church was their obedience. Because the Bible says that they returned. See, we can do everything right. We can do everything perfect. But if we refuse to obey the Word of the Lord, nothing else matters. What is your greatest weapon that you have? The greatest weapon that you have as a child of God is your obedience. Because if you can, if you can sing like a songbird, if you can preach the paint off the walls, if you can give all of your money, but you are not obedient to the call of God, nothing else matters. God places a high premium on our obedience. We are to be obedient children. We are to be obedient people of God. And the first thing, the first characteristics that we find that made the church of Acts a great church was the fact that they obeyed. They heard the words of Jesus. They heard the words of God manifest in the flesh. And even though at times they may not have understood what He was saying. Even though they may not have been able to grasp all the words that Jesus was saying. We know this. We know that He'll never steer us wrong. We know that He would never he, he would never lead us in a wrong direction. We understand that He would never tell us a wrong thing to do. So if Jesus said it, I need to obey it. Some people said, you know, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Well, brothers and sisters, God said it. It doesn't really matter if you believe it or not, but it matters whether or not if you obey it. And God said that we are to be obedient people. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you the, the, the premium for obedience. In 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 22, the kingdom was ripped from Saul because of his disobedience. As a matter of fact, he wanted to worship, but he did not want to obey. He wanted to worship God, but he did not want to obey God. I'm afraid that we've got a lot of people in the church. They want to worship God, but they don't want to obey God. But Samuel looked at him and said, Listen, to obey is better than sacrifice. To obey God is better than your worship. Right? Because you can't truly worship God in spirit and in truth unless you first obey Him. Amen? Amen. John chapter 14 and verse 15 said, If you love Me, you will keep My commandments. 
If you really say that you love me, you will keep my commandments. We cannot say that we love God if we fail to follow His commandments. And here's the thing. If we follow His commandments, if we follow the obedience of God, here's what I love. Scripture says in Deuteronomy that He is going to make the blessings of God chase you and overtake you. You want to know how you become blessed? You want to know how you become highly favored? It is through your obedience to God. Because He told the children of Israel in Deuteronomy, He said, if you will obey Me, if you will keep My commandments, He said, I will cause the blessings of God to overtake you. He said, but if you're disobedient to Me, if you fail to keep My commandments, if you fail to follow after Me all the days of your life, He said, you will not be blessed. David said in Psalm chapter 1, He said, blessed is the man who who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor seats in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law does he meditate day and night. And he said, I will make him as a tree planted by the rivers of water. He said, and his leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever that he does, what? Shall prosper. But what does it all hinge on? We've got to be obedient people. And church, tonight, I want to challenge you for you and I to be obedient in order to be a great church. Amen? Amen. What was the other thing that made the church in Acts a great church? What also made the church in Acts a great church was their unity. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 14, the Bible says that they all continued in one accord. That word accord, it's an interesting word. In the Hebrew, it is actually a musical term. It actually means to be in complete Harmony. In complete, in sync, in harmony, and no discord. I asked the pastor to help me with this. Because in the Hebrew, since unity, since accord means to be in perfect harmony, it is just like on a piano. When you hit that perfect note, that just seems to blend together. Pastor, play me something just, just beautiful that is in a good accord. Now see, all of that is in perfect harmony. All of that is in perfect accord. However, Sometimes you can get something that sounds like this. Now, how would that, how would that sound if every time you came into the church, 
That was what you heard playing. That would be very difficult to get into, into the frame of mind of worship. And I tell you, a lot of the times when there is disunity in the church, that's exactly how it sounds to God. Because this person wants their way. And that person wants their way. And this person wants their, wants their ideas. And the other person wants their ideas. And well, if they, don't, if they don't value my opinion and if they don't like me, then I'll just go down the road, uh, go down the road to another church. But I want to tell you, if we are going to be a great church, if Harvest Time is going to be a great church, if the 21st century church is going to be a great church, we have to be a church that is in accord, that plays beautiful, perfect melody. Amen? He said in Psalm chapter 133 and verse 1, He said, How good and how pleasant is it for brethren to dwell together in unity. Because when there is perfect unity, the anointing of God will begin to flow. And when the anointing begins to flow, see, here's the thing that a lot of times, see, you better be glad that we don't anoint people here in this church like they did back in Old Testament times. See, we call people up and we anoint the sick and everything like that, and we just kind of give them a little dab. That's not how they did it in the Old Testament. That's not how they did it back then. When they anointed people, they took that horn of oil. When they anointed David, at, when Samuel anointed David as king over Israel, there was about eight quarts of oil that he poured over that he poured over David's head. And the Bible says that when brethren dwell together in unity, the oil, the oil begins to flow. And the Bible says it is like the oil that flowed down Aaron's head and his beard, and it went down to the garment. It went down to the bridge of the garment. It, it, it saturated when unity begins to happen. It saturates everything. My goodness. See, we're wanting a move of God. We're wanting the anointing of God to flow. But God says, listen, anointing cannot come until there's first unity, until there's first an accordance in with my word and with my spirit. Paul said that we ought in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 3, he says we ought to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We ought to strive for unity. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 2, Paul would again write and he would say, Fulfill my joy. How? By being like-minded. Having the same love. Being of one accord and one mind. Can you imagine what would happen if harvest time, 
Can you imagine what would happen to the churches here in Powell County? Can you imagine what would happen in this state, in this nation, if it, be, if it, if it stopped being about us against them? If it stopped being about, well, you know, we speak in tongues and they don't speak in tongues. If, we, if it stops being about, you know, we believe in a rapture and they don't believe in a rapture. If it stops being about we baptize the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, or do we baptize in Jesus' name? I want to tell you, none of that stuff right there is salvific. What matters is the fact that brothers and sisters will come together and say there is a lost and a dying world out there. There's people that are lost and on their way to hell. And I want to tell you, it doesn't matter. It, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether or not. It if we sing it off the wall, if we sing it out of the hymn book, if we sing, however we sing it, however we preach it, we need to be in unity in the fact that we've got to reach the lost. Amen. Endeavoring to keep the unity of it. We've got to be united. Because the Bible says that God hates Disunity. God can't bless. God can't. If we say it like this. God doesn't bless a mess. And when there is a mess. God can't move in that. Thirdly. Also in verse 14. They said that. The Bible says that they were all. In one accord. And what? In prayer. And in supplication. The other thing that makes a church great, that made this church great, was that it was a church of prayer and supplication. They believed in the importance of prayer. You see, I don't know where some churches have got to the place that say, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't pray. All you've got to do is just speak it. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that you pray. The Bible says that in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6, He says, Jesus looked at His disciples and said, When you pray. Not if you pray. But when you pray. Enter into your closet. And shut the door. And your Father, which is in secret, who sees in secret will reward you openly. He said in 1 Timothy chapter 2 in verse 8. He said, I desire that men pray everywhere. Lifting up holy hands. Without wrath and without doubting. I like it that he says that men ought to pray everywhere. Where? See, my mama, she was, she was one of those people, and you've heard me talk about this. If you caught her in the middle of Walmart or somewhere, and you, and you gave her a prayer request, she wasn't she was one of those people that would say, you know what, I'll be praying for you, and then when you get home, you just kind of forget about what the prayer request is. Come on, we've all been there, right? I've been there before. My mom wasn't like that way. My mom would say, okay. Let's pray right here in the middle of the frozen food section. And she didn't care. And she wasn't one of those quiet prayers. She wasn't one of those quiet prayers either. See, I remember, I remember getting off the bus from school. 
And my house was about four or five houses down from my bus stop. And I'd get off the bus and I could hear mama pray. And my friends would look at me and go, well, your mom's having one of those fits again, aren't they, Jeremy? And I was like, <laughs> and sometimes I just kind of just had my backpack and I'd just start walking as fast as I could to the house. And sometimes I'd tell her mom, I said, can you just not embarrass me as much as you do? And she says, I can't help it. When I get in the spirit and I begin to pray. And she didn't care who it was. And she didn't care where it was. If somebody needed prayer. If, if somebody needed to touch the throne room of God. She was going to pray. The Bible says to lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. We, do, we don't do it begrudgingly. Oh, well, my goodness, is the preacher really going to ask me to stand up again and lift up my hands and say, praise the Lord? <laughs> doesn't he know, doesn't he know, doesn't he know that I'm tired? I'm going to look at you while I preach this. <laughs> is that okay? <laughs> doesn't he know I'm tired? Doesn't he know that I've had a rough, doesn't he know that I have a rough day? Doesn't he know that I just want to sit here and not, and I don't understand all, I don't know. But I want to tell you this, I know what the Bible says. The Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. And I want to tell you, if it's inside of you, it doesn't matter what type of day that you've had. If it's on the inside of you, whatever's in the well will always come up in the bucket. Because I want to tell somebody in this house tonight, I want to say that when, when, when you are in love with, with God, God. Nobody will have to pump you and prop you to lift your hands and praise the Lord. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Hey, man. That's good preaching, Brother Jeremy. Thank you. I appreciate that. I don't know who said that. That's good preaching. In Acts chapter 6 and verse 4, when the widows and the orphans were being neglected, and they came to the leadership of the church and said, hey, you need to do something about this. They looked at the members of the church and said, well, why don't y'all just seek out seven among you that are full with the Holy Ghost? Because now here's the thing. We, we were, I'm not going to mention, I'm not going to mention names, but we were talking, uh, we were talking right before service about Different types of doctors and, and things like that. You ever had a doctor that just didn't have good bedside manner? You ever had, now this is the only way I can reference it. You ever had a, you, you ever had a Dr. House? You ever, you ever remember, anybody remember that TV show, Dr. House? Anybody, anybody ever have a, have a doctor like that? That uh, they didn't have very good bedside manners. You know, they just come in and they wouldn't comfort you any. They just say, hey, you either need to change you need to change your lifestyle or you're going to die. You know, I mean, that's, that's, just the, that's just the way it is. Now, here was the thing. The, the, these, these, these first apostles in this church, they didn't have very good bedside manner. Because the way that they put it was when they came to them, they said, you know what? It's not, it's not meat for us to go wait tables. Now, they didn't say that it wasn't important. But if you actually look in the proper context that they were saying, they were actually saying, that's not important for us. That's not our responsibility. He said, so you seek ye out seven among you that are full of the Holy Ghost to take over this. Why? Because they said so that 
we can continually give ourselves to prayer in the ministry of the Word. My goodness, I, I'm, I, I got to behave myself here because I'll get myself in, in, into trouble. You see, we expect the pastor to be at every bedside. We expect the pastor to do everything. We expect the pastor to, to shake everybody's hand. We expect the pastor to, and then, still be prayed up enough to walk into the pulpit on Sunday morning and have something red hot to get us through the rest of the week. Amen? But the fact of the matter is, is that can I tell you, my, I hope this is good. I, I, I hope I don't. Thank you, Pastor. If he's amen to me, that's all that matters. And so, with the, the thing about it is, is that the primary function of the leadership of the church, more importantly, the pastor of the church, is that they hear from God. Amen? Is that they find themselves a place to pray and they know the will of God. That's the reason, oh my goodness, let me just, I'm I'm just going to say it right here. That's the reason why if my pastor ever looks at me and he says, I was praying and this is what I feel like God would have us to do. At that moment, I don't have an opinion on it. Because, well, (laughs) because God spoke to the shepherd of the church and he ain't going to bypass the shepherd to speak to anybody else. Mm -mm -mm -mm. That's good preaching, Brother Jeremy. Thank you. I I give myself an offering here. Number four, what makes a great church is that they were people of the Word. In verses 15 through 20 of Acts chapter 1, after they prayed, Peter stood up, the Bible says in verse 16, and says, The Scripture has been fulfilled. I imagine in chapter 1, in chapter 2, and in chapter 3, Peter is the one that stands up and begins to proclaim. And Peter stands up, and each time... He uses the Scripture as the foundation of everything that He is getting ready to say. See, I get get very leery of people who don't want preaching. I get leery when I walk into churches... And they'll have, can I, I'm just going to be completely honest, and they'll have an hour and a half worship, an hour and a half worship experience, and they'll sing all the songs. But if that preacher preaches over 15 or 20 minutes, well, that's just way too much. Because here's the thing. The Bible says that the Word of God is seed. It is the Word of God that is Planted on the inside of you. 
Without the word being planted, you have no seed in your life. And you can't, and the word is not preaching from the headlines. It's not preaching from USA Today. It's not preaching from Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, or the new fad Newsmax. It's not either one of those right now. I want to tell you, we need to have people that will preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with a long-suffering in doctrine. Why? Because right now there are people that are heaping to themselves. Teachers having itching ears. We have to be people of the Word. He said in Luke 8 and 11, the Word of God is seed. Romans 10 and 17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Can I tell you, Paul would write in Corinthians, and he said, God chose the foolishness of preaching to save those that are lost. He didn't didn't choose any other way. He didn't choose feeding the homeless as a way to save the lost. He didn't choose showing a movie as a way to save the lost. He did not choose having a pizza party as a way to save the lost. What he chose was a man or a woman anointed of God that will stand flat-footed and to decree and to declare that Jesus Christ is the only way and you must be born again. And our faith is built up by hearing the Word of God. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 8 says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of God abides forever. Jesus would come along and say, Heaven and earth shall pass away. But my word will never pass away. We need to be people of the word. There's so much more that I could say right there. But number five, I'm almost done. Not only were they people of the word, but the other thing that made this church great was that they desired to know the will of God. Verse 24 in Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 1 says, And they prayed and said, You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which of these two you have chosen. That's in reference to them trying uh, uh, replacing Judas in the ministry. They prayed and they desired to know the will of the Lord. There is nothing more important than us obeying the will and knowing what the will of God is for our life. You see... A lot of the times, our will and God's will are two completely different things. And that's the reason, can I just say this? That's the reason sometimes, and I understand when I say things like this, people get very uncomfortable. But that's the reason sometimes prayers don't get answered. 
But the fact of the matter is, because James said that sometimes we ask for things to consume it upon our own lust. But we must know the will of God. We must submit ourselves to the will of God. Nobody demonstrated that better than Jesus. When in the Garden of Gethsemane, as He's praying, as His sweats, as His sweat is becoming like great drops of blood, He says, Father, if there is another way, if, there, if there's a way for this cup to pass from Me, He says, let it pass. He said, but nevertheless, not My will, but Your will be done. Because Jesus said in Mark chapter 3 and verse 35, He said, whoever does the will of God... Jesus said, is my brother. When they were looking at him and says, your brothers and your sisters are looking for you. And he said, who? Who are they? He said, because my brothers are the ones that do the will of God. Paul would write in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 6. He says, not as men pleasers, but as bond servants doing the will of God from the heart. And then he says, and then John would write in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 17, he said, He who does the will of God abides forever. So the opposite is true. If you don't do the will of God, you won't abide Forever. It is important for us to know the will of God. And this church was consumed with doing the will of God. That was when, when later on in Acts, when they would pray and the Holy Ghost would speak and say, Separate unto me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work of the ministry. Nobody else's opinion in that matter. Well, I don't know if I would have used that person. I don't know if that would have been... That, that's not who I would have chose. It doesn't matter. Because God spoke. And God's will must be accomplished. And then finally, what made them a great church was that they were people of the Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, the Bible says that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Unity, prayer, obedience, the will of God brings it to this point that says that suddenly, When you have those other five things, the suddenly will happen. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house wherein they were sitting. And there appeared unto them clothing tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were what? They were... All. Not this side. And not this side. Not this side. And not this side. Not the back. 
And not, the, not just the back. And the front was left out. But the Bible says that they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And can I just say this? And then they all spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Because let me just tell you this. When the Spirit of God takes up residence in your life, it will change your language. Mm, I don't have time to preach right there. But they are people of the Spirit. Because, John, because Jesus would speak in John 14. And He would say, The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, will teach you everything. Amen. Romans 8 and 26 says that the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. That when I don't know what to pray... That the Spirit of God will begin to groan with groanings that are un- that, that are not that 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 are un- not understandable. That they'll begin because the Spirit of God. Can I tell you, the Spirit of God will make intercession for you. Yes. Acts one and eight says, "But you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me." So what kind of church are we? When Revelation, when Jesus was speaking to the church in Revelation, some of those churches had a good report. Some of those churches had a bad report. I mean, can you think about it? He said to one church, you're compromised. To another church, he said, you left your first love. To another church, he said, you're a dead church. To another church, he said, you're a lukewarm church. To another church, he told, he says, you don't have very much strength. He says, but I'm giving you strength. To another church, he said, I'm setting before you an open door and the devil himself can't shut it. What kind of church are we? I heard it said like this one time. The very first time that I ever heard this saying was dear, dear pastor that has sent, that's since gone on to heaven, Brother Ford. First time I ever heard him preach. One of the last messages I ever heard him preach was for a pastor appreciation day. And he said, if everybody in the church was just like me, what kind of church would this church be? And I want to tell you, you want to talk about a convicting message. When God looks at us, does God see a great church? I hope He does. That is my prayer. That is my desire. Or does God look and say, you know what, there's, there's areas... That we need to fix. Hey, here, can I tell you, that's how God deals, that's how God deals with me. I'll just share this and then we'll bring it to a close here. Saturday, the Lord, the Lord had to chastise me. I told, I'm just gonna be on, I'm gonna be transparent here. Confession is good for the soul. I was talking to Pastor, and we were talking about. We were just talking about a situation. 
And I said, I said, uh, well, I said, well, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. I said, I'm not going to go over there. I said, because the first time that somebody says something that I don't like, I told him, I said, I don't know whether or not if I can keep my mouth shut. And I told him, and I said, and I'm probably not. I said, I, I said, my exact words were, I said, I don't think I'm sanctified enough right now to keep my mouth shut. I got to driving to work. And it was like the Holy Spirit sat in the sink next to me as I was driving to work. It said, now, is that any way to be? Now, I'm just, now, see, I'm just, now, I'm just going to tell you this. Now, me and Jessica, we've been watching on Hulu, we've been watching Seventh Heaven. And I need to stop watching that show because the enemy, or not the enemy, but the Lord, excuse me. I don't know. But the Lord, the Lord uses that show to, to show me areas in my life that I need to work on. And we just got done watching the episode. We just got done watching this episode. And, and the preacher goes up to another person and says, You know, you can justify how you feel the way that you feel. And I can justify the way that I feel the way that I feel. But it doesn't make either one of us right. And I found myself in the car trying to justify things. And I said, well, God, you've seen what they have said. And he says, and the Holy Spirit, I don't know how the Holy Spirit talks to you. But the Holy Spirit talks to me this way. It doesn't matter. I have commanded you. To live in a way that is pleasing to me. He said. And I'm the Lord. Over your attitude. And I said. Okay God. You win. I. Been to you. What kind of church. Are we. Or are we, does the, does the Lord look at our lives and say, you know what, that's great. Or does the Lord look at us and say, you know what, there's this area here that I need to deal with. And if you want the blessings, this has got to be fixed. Amen. Can you... I know it's 8.30. Can you come sing that? I'm, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but when you said that, I just... I think I can, but while, while we're doing that, there's Amen. been a couple of requests. Amen. I, I guess they've heard us praying tonight. So, uh, Amen. Debbie is going to ear, throat, and nose doctor. 
and she's going to have to have a colonoscopy, and she's asked us to pray that all the results come back well. Um, Chelsea is praying for, uh, to get full custody of, of her babies, and her, she's got a foot that's in a cast, and she wants the Lord to heal that. We hope you enjoyed today's message by Evangelist Jeremy Cook. If you would like more information regarding New Season Ministry, to schedule Jeremy to minister at your event, or to support the ministry with a love gift, please contact us at 859-404-4007. Or you may email him at pastorjeremycook at gmail.com. God bless, and we will see you next time on New Season Ministry. Thank you.